Hello, and welcome to the Podcast of Power, a she and the Princesses of Power companion podcast. I am one of your hosts, Nero. And I'm the other host, Jane. And today we're going to be talking about Season 2, Episode 4, uh, Roll With It, which, you know, pound for pound is probably the most filler episode in this entire show. Literally nothing happens in this episode at all. Yeah, absolutely nothing happens. It's like this is so last week we kind of gave we kind of gave last week's episode a little bit of guff for being a filler episode. Um this this one though is like leaps and bounds the most, but the difference the difference is right like both of these episodes were essentially junk food, but this is like the purple Doritos um and last week is like cheese nips you know cheese like the like the knockoff cheese it's yeah the the sort of awkward thing about signals is that only half of it is complete filler and the other half is actually like doing some setup so you have a weird combination where half of it is kind of compelling and interesting and then the other half just has absolutely nothing going on like and plus the scooby-doo adventure stuff isn't even all that fun like, it's just kind of boring walk, watching them walk around, like, a spooky village for a while where nothing really happens. There's some good jokes in there, but other than that, uh, nothing of import really happens. This episode, on the other hand, has much stronger jokes, you know, because it's, it's more heavily focused on them. This is every kind of show like this gets to have one of these episodes. You know, you've got your your Ember Island players is, is probably the most uh, grabbable example here, where it's mostly just like meta jokes and character based humor uh, for the whole thing, with maybe some light character stuff sprinkled in between. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a pretty apt comparison. Like, this is focusing, I think, on a different kind of meta joke, but yeah, like it, it's it's pretty similar, and um, I think I think it works well. I I always love when one of these episodes gets tossed in because, like, yeah, nothing of consequence happens, but you know, it's a fun time. It is a fun episode of the show. You can kind of just, you know, you don't have to pay attention too hard. You're just laughing at the funny jokes, right? Um, and, and this the show the the sort of framing of this episode is Adora is trying to get them, uh, get the team in more of a planning mood because all of their plans eventually devolve into pure, uh, you know, improvisation and everything just breaks down and goes wrong. So she's kind of overcompensating into the other direction and trying to plan for every possibility, um, which is represented through her kind of doing this D&D dungeon master style training exercise complete with like a dm screen what do you think is written on there that's a great question actually i i wonder if it's just like i wonder if they're using like an actual rule set like maybe maybe they're using like ethereum D for this or like ethereum pathfinder and she's just tweaking it a little bit I, you know what i bet i bet you I bet you Bo brought it. I mean, almost certainly. He brought the War Table battle figures, so it makes sense that he would bring the D&D set, right? Because Adora, Adora is talking about wanting to plan better, and he's like, I, I got the, the perfect thing, which is really just an excuse to start setting up D&D nights with his pals. Oh, yeah. No, we all we all get your number, Bo. Yeah, like the, the night before, he goes up to Adora's tent, and he's like, here, here's um here's my, my pitch for our for our fun battle plan. And he just, like, slides her the, uh, the like, uh, DM's guide. <laughs> it gives her the 
gives her the uh, the core rule book and just lets her look that over. So, you know, it starts off with this cold open of them infiltrating this horde stronghold. Uh, Bo, like, falls off of the edge and dies, but then it just cuts back and, oh, it's just D&D, where they, uh, and then they, they start through. And as the episode goes on, uh, every character kind of has their own interpretation of the plan, but only Glimmer and Bo get these special animation styles and lenses that their sort of ideas get uh, put through. Yeah, so what ends up happening, right, is like everyone kind of gets a shot at uh, at DMing a little bit, and whoever's DMing at the time of the of our uh, main of our main cast here, our main three, is. Um, you know they're they're changing the way the whole world looks. Like Adora's, of course, is just in the normal Shira style, but then uh, Glimmer has like this. I don't know, like like you said, like a space dandy style, and I think that's pretty accurate. Like this this like monochrome, super heavy inked, like super stylized kind of like manga almost style, and then you have um, Bo, who's just straight up like original 80s Shira style, which is fun. Right. I, w- I would describe Glimmers as like super stylish anime inspired. Like when I look at it, I think of a lot of Gainax stuff or a lot of Studio Trigger stuff or like Cowboy Bebop, things that have very strong like, you know, art styles and key poses. And yeah, Bo is just... The old Shira style, complete with the old soundtrack, which just kind of loops infinitely forever. Yeah, it's it's pretty great. Oh, and complete with old like Hanna Barbera like dragon sound effects, because of course uh, Bo didn't bring any uh, robot models, so he had to use a dragon model instead. Yeah, and you may be wondering, well, how did they come to D and D as the sort of framing device for all of these jokes? I don't know about the rest of their crew, but it's fair to say that probably a lot of them, and especially Noel Stevenson, have a background in Dungeons and Dragons and uh, tabletop RPG stuff. In fact, Noel Stevenson guested in the uh, first campaign of Critical Role a few years ago, and I believe uh, their wife did as well. I don't know if separately or together. I don't have. I, I'm just saying that off the top. I don't know if Molly was in the uh, the Critical Role as well or not, but you know. Yeah, I didn't actually know that before you told me. Uh, I guess I haven't listened to, to Critical Role or anything. I haven't listened to McCree's funny podcast, but maybe someday. It's fine. Like, it's, it is it is the actual play podcast that is really just a and d session. And so every episode is like three hours long, and it's just them playing D&D, basically. Hey, better than graduation. That's true. <laughs> um, so let's start with Glimmer here the first kind of uh movement into into the the meta jokes here uh for i mean the the visual style is great we get to see her vision of all these super cooled up versions of kyle rogelio and lani they're all looking great yeah kyle's got a pompadour which just is amazing he's got like a pompadour and he's wearing like sort of a punk style he's got like the suspenders uh around you know down around his like thighs it's the coolest he will ever be in his whole life oh yeah he's never gonna be anywhere near that cool rahelio is wearing this like studded battle armor and lonnie just looks and i just looks incredible i don't know like sort of a super spy kind of look yeah yeah they've all they've all great designs i love glimmer's vision of herself too she's got that like little under the eye tattoo and like this cool like almost like a plug suit situation like uh, 
it's pretty cool. And she actually even, she even made her hair like slightly more aggressive looking. And of course, you can't forget the cropped jacket. Cannot forget the cropped jacket. That's like the most critical part of it. And then of course, we run into our introduction of Glimmer's vision of Catra, which, um, hey, hey, Glimmer, <sighs> Glimmer, Glimmer, this isn't, this is extremely not hetero moment. So clearly episode two uh made somewhat of an impact on on glimmer because her vision of catra is like a sexy femme fatalo josama with a cat with an eye patch yeah and she like and she's got like one of she's got like the leg slit dress on and like stiletto heels and a big feather boa and just like really done up hair and it's like uh, hey glimmer it's hey hey glimmer do you do you maybe need to 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 examine some emotions some some feelings you know i think someone once said about this show that no character is straight unless we tell you that they are otherwise just assume that they are not and that's clearly true here no this is glimmer you, you gotta you gotta i think you gotta dig down into some feelings here because this is this is quite something this is quite something i mean you can't blame the girl catra's catra's pretty great but like (laughs) it's it's just it's it's amazing it's really amazing but also the funny thing about this is that her most of her you know her time with catra in episode two of this season was mostly catra being like a horrible little goblin on purpose like she licked Glimmer's arm, bit bow, just constantly dragged herself around. She was being like a like a really uh, rude cat, and so to translate that into this very fancy, put together like villainess is really funny. Listen, the mind's eye really interprets how it wants to interpret. This also just kind of is a little window into Glimmer's like ego because it, it is quite large as we see throughout the rest of the show. She had, she goes on bits a few ego trips throughout this thing. Oh yeah, she's like she's like yeah, I teleport and backflip and backflip into a teleport and I blow up like ninety seven bots and she starts to get into a little bit of like a Seahawk story here until Bo kind of brings her back down the down to earth and is like uh you ran out of teleports like 10 minutes ago and then she's just like okay i land on top of you right um and then the 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 mermista sort of appears but before we get to the rest of the the crew there is uh something we should talk about regarding Bo and the sort of the length of the bits in this episode yeah so one of the things that happens with Bo in a lot of episodes of the show but i think this episode's probably the worst of it is that he kind of gets dumped on a little bit like as the bit like the joke is like you know Bo's like kind of getting like dunked on a little and I think in this episode it goes on like a little bit too long like kind of significantly actually because like you know his character he dies in the fur in the cold open and then he gets like glimmer drops in on him and then I forget there's like a there's like a couple other ones and yeah, I, I think the bit goes on a little bit too long here, honestly. It, it's, it's not really ideal. It uh, it goes until his plan stage, where his error, net error ricochets back onto him. And that, that's basically all of them except for the, um, I think, Perfuma, Frosta, and Mermista, perhaps? 
So yeah, it goes on too long. No, yeah, there's there's a bit there's a bit there too, and then there's also a bit after that where he's like, as long as I don't die again, and that's like also like part of the funny bit, which is like it's yeah. similar to the criticisms about uh, Mermista's sort of cavalcade of humiliations in uh, No Princess Left Behind, where if they just spread out these the butts of the joke a little bit more, like maybe if Glimmer got got a few times or like someone else did it would be fine but zeroing in on bow is kind of strange at least for that long yeah that's that's really the thing about it right is it like in and of itself like having someone get like dunked on isn't bad but the fact that the two characters principally so far in the show who have gotten like super like dunked on a couple of times have been the two black characters is not ideal but anyway, Mermista eventually comes in, wondering what they're doing in here. She gets swiftly booted out of the tent, because she's interrupting a planning meeting, and she's supposed to be on watch, which, this camp that they've set up, this, like, forward operating base that they've set up to retake this pass, it's just kind of in front of the castle. Oh, no, yeah, this is the worst, like, forward operating base you could ever, ever have. There is, like, a big tree that's vaguely obscuring one tent, but everything else is just in a big clearing. Like, there's a scene, um, I think, like, ten minutes into the episode where it cuts over to Lonnie, who's, like, watching from the battlements and says there's a princess problem, and she just looks over straight across this, like, not even particularly large ravine and just looks straight at all of the people just walking around in this camp. And she, like, looks at the iPad, too, at, like, this blip on the map, and it's like, Lonnie, you don't even need that. You can just look at them. They're right there. You don't even need binoculars. I guess the thought is maybe that they didn't know if there were actually princesses there. Maybe they thought it was just a normal resistance or rebellion force. Because their mission, as expressed, is just to defend the past. They're not trying to, like, use it as any forward operating stuff. They're just, they're just trying to hold this place, as Scorpia states. Uh, speaking of which, Scorpia is kind of the other half of this episode, where it's it's her misadventures with the uh, the cadet trio. Catra has has finally put her in charge of her own mission. They aren't you know partnered up on this, and and she's very uh, happy about and proud of that fact. Quite quite uh, proud of that fact. Yeah. So Scorpia in this episode is a delight, and she always is. Honestly, she is trying her absolute hardest to run a military installation she's not doing a very good job at running a military installation um, because of course the entire time she is uh constantly in her head scorpia has about one brain cell and it is dedicated exclusively to katra she is like just constantly reaching in her pocket to look at her framed picture of katra to just just to make sure that katra still approves and is her best friend and that you know she's doing a good job right yeah she's and you know we've observed that she perhaps isn't built for the forest captain life before but this episode is kind of the most clear indicator that her heart is just far too kind and her brain is just far too dumb to to be any in any kind of military command position yeah no because so what she ends up doing uh, mostly is telling people to run around in various directions and not really do anything. 
and also she tries to like operate a tiny little robot to to spy on the princesses this is a problem because she has big meaty claws and no like opposable digits to operate it so she kind of asks Lonnie to do it for her and it doesn't it doesn't go super well the uh the little robot ends up in the room um just as the whole D&D party is kind of wildly flying off the rails and everyone's kind of god modding their characters a little bit (laughs) scorpia hears this and she just assumes all of it's real and all of it's gonna happen there's gonna be a giant plant golem that tries to eat them and a horrible uh ice warrior and uh Sira and everything and she's just like we're doomed we have to we have to abandon the base which i mean technically is all true it, it does kind of end up being true yeah um but before they get to that point we should jump back to the the D party because after they kick mermista out that's when Bo starts up his plan which is it's like we said it is the classic retro Shira look and boy, what a what a nightmare it is! Uh, the Shira, eighty Shira designs—they're not good, folks. And I mean, obviously, everyone working on the show knows this. The main joke is just how bad everyone looks and how bemused everyone is to be wearing all of these stupid outfits. Yeah, and Bo gets a mustache. Uh, it's an understated mustache compared to the Bo in the eighty Shira. I feel like because like eighty Shira. He's got he's got quite some facial hair going on there. Yeah, there is a character later on who basically has '80s Bo's mustache, uh, but we won't meet him for a couple of more episodes. Yes, yes, uh, that's a that's a fun that's a fun character introduction. But yeah, his version of Catra uh, loves puns. Yes, she has gigantic blue eyeshadow and she looks very much like the the 80s uh catra and all she knows how to do is speak in puns which Bo is more than happy to uh to join in on that also she turns into a cat which yeah she he he he, he ran out of figures so she he just had like a cat with armor on it so she turns into that uh, she can't actually do that in this show, but she could in the original. Yeah, because she was like a wizard or something in the original, right? Everybody was a wizard in the original. It was a show full of wizards. Yeah, it was just a wizardy land. The 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 thing about this Catra is, like, AJ Machalka tries to channel the 80s Catra voice and does a fairly good job. It's a bit higher register. No one can create the hell noises that that voice entails though if you've never heard what 80s catcher sounds like just go back and watch any clip it is a nightmare yeah she, it, honestly somewhat i i would i would consider 80s catra genuinely unlistenable like th- there are some hell noises involved there is uh there's one other aspect to the 80s uh sort of redesigns um for both thing here and it's it's kind of a weird one. Um, they kind of uh, Perfuma, Mermista, and uh, Shira all get bumped up like two cup sizes, and it's a little bit weird. I was looking at it again, and honestly, I think it might not even be that. I think it just might be the outfit's shape. Yeah. Okay. It might it might be the outfit shape. Yeah. Like I'm. It, it's it's one of those things. Yeah. Like 
the the costumes one don't seem to fit very well because like these were made these costumes were made for character designs that had fundamentally different body shapes and by fundamentally different body shapes we mean all the same body shape by the way yeah all this all the all the same one um so like i think there that might be creating a sort of illusion of that but looking at it now it doesn't seem like they actually got bumped up it's just the sort of costumes were made to accentuate those features but like the fucking, the the like wings on Adora's like chest piece are just kind of floating off of her body. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to tell. Like I, I looked at it a couple of times because we uh, we usually run the episode just silently in the background when we're doing this, so we have something to look at. And I don't know. It's like it is hard to tell. It could be a costume thing. It could be like actually, but it's 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 just a little bit weird looking that's the uh that's the the danger of using these those old designs yeah it really is but yeah at, at this point everyone just starts throwing their ideas onto the table perfuma has like a big scary plant golem mermista uh, there there's an extremely good joke where Bo just kind of stands up to raise his hand and ask well how does it roar if it's made of plants and just Perfumer answers magic, and he just like slowly sits down, and his face is kind of covered up by her still like raised jazz hands. It's extremely funny. It's a very good shot. Yeah, it's just sort of yeah. I've resigned. I've, I've resigned this conversation. You, you, it's magic. It's plant magic. Uh, Mermista has an OC apparently. Yes, Mermista has an OC. Um, Sira, Princess of the Oceans, and uh, she like kind of goes through and explains her um, her magical girl transformation, uh, which is really fun. Like they only do like the first two seconds of the of the actual animation of it, and then she spends the rest of the time just explaining it in real time. Meanwhile, Bo is just very intensely listening and nodding along, like yes, yes, absolutely, you got it. Um, we should also mention the perfume or Mermista has. Like- like an action figure of herself yes oh my god it's it's awesome like it's a fully articulatable like actual action figure it's like five inches tall like i want to know where she got it who she got to make it for and also hasbro should just sell that well at mattel hasbro the she-ra is not a hasbro property same company fundamentally um and frosta is this is very good this is the most accurate 12 year old thing of just a super edgy overpowered oc called like the winter's bane but all her friends call her bane but she doesn't have any friends well i think i think you'll find it's actually frostbite winter's bane that's true. I, 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 how could I forget? He has her frostbite winter's bane. Yeah, and then the camera, like, like she has like her her very like cool like armored sword OC. And I mean, actually, to call back to the avatar thing from earlier, it kind of reminds me of the um the bit from uh, when they were in the weapon store in uh, season three, and uh, Ang is talking about doing the the air sword, and he's like in the giant suit of armor. Uh, I was just about to bring that up. We're on the same wavelength. Yeah, I was just thinking about that bit because that was birthed from them being asked to be more 
toyetic and give Aang like a cool sword or something. So they just like sort of took the piss out of that by just putting him in the most ridiculous suit of armor possible. Yeah, it was that was really good. And it kind of it was very reminiscent of that. And then the but the best part, right, is like it cuts from that back to the D D session and Frosta has pulled out a sheet of like A4 paper, like printer paper that she's drawn her OC on. And it's like the cutest little like twelve year old like I am still learning how to draw and also most of my understanding of drawing mechanics comes from the how to draw manga book I got at Walmart. <laughs> it's so choice. It's so accurate. Like It's wonderful. And of course, you know, the, the, a really good detail is when uh, it shows everyone looking at this uh, picture in various states of kind of confusion. It shows Mermista kind of looking at it, and then she, she, her face softens into like this grin as Frosta keeps talking about her cool OC. It's very sweet, honestly. Yeah, it's really cute. Like, Mermista just has like this little moment of connection with Frosta. Like, yeah, we have these cool OCs. We should talk about our OCs sometime, Frosta. Um, and uh, after that, Adora kind of gets fed up with the jokes time, and like everyone's just kind of talking over each other and has their own weird ideas. And so she goes into her her you know ultra catastrophizing mode yes she goes into her her extreme fatalist like mindset everyone's like listen what's the worst that could possibly happen and she's like oh oh you want to know what the worst that could possibly happen is we all die horribly and everyone's just like oh yeah, like, she goes on this long tired about what exactly Catcher would do. Of course, all of this is laboring under the assumption that Catcher is here in this tower for some reason. I don't know why she would be here of all places. I, like, the importance of this pass is kind of weird because it doesn't get brought up after this episode. Yeah, no, this this is one of those situations where it's like, yes, the pass, very important, have to control the pass. Never, it, It's just like, it's the kind of thing that two groups of people who have absolutely no understanding of military tactics would do, right? Like, obviously, Katra and Scorpia um, are running the show, and they aren't very good at this yet. And the Best Friend Squad also isn't very good at this yet. And they're kind of the primary military commanders of both sides of this war. So they're like, ah, yes, there's a castle there. Gotta hold that. That's pretty important, you know? Right. And I really, I do like the scene of Adora just kind of going further and further down this catastrophic road. She gets like the, the single strand of hair over her eye as, as everything just gets more and more desperate. And there's just this kind of long silence after she's done. And she's like knocked all the stuff off of the table. Yeah, she kind of, she kind of goes a little bit ape about it. And I don't know, like, it's a, it, this is a weird moment, right? This is a really, really weird moment because... I think the concept of it is good because, again, this is another moment of Adora's, like, really heavy fatalism and her, like, Atlas complex. You know, she feels like the fate of the whole world and everyone's lives are resting, like, entirely on how well she performs and, like, if she makes one mistake, everyone dies functionally. And then, of course, there's, like, an aspect of, like, Katra is like the primary thing that she's thinking about 24 hours a day even there's no sign that Katra is here but like there's all of this going on but nothing that actually happens here carries forward in any way so the the thing at the beginning of the episode that they bring up is like when they start doing this as like a planning thing 
I think Glimmer says, like, why do we need to plan so much? Usually we just improvise. It's not that giant of a deal. But, you know, and then Adora's like, yeah, well, we never plan anything and we almost die, like, every time. And if we, you know, if we mess up too bad, then we lose. So we should have, like, a real plan. And, of course, you know, then when Adora does her old catastrophizing thing, we find out it's a little more deep-seated than that, but this, the resolution of it isn't, okay, we pull back a little bit, but we come up with a reasonable plan. Reasonable plan. The takeaway is we were doing fine the whole time just improvising, let's not worry about a plan, which doesn't seem like a good takeaway, actually. It's really odd, and it really stands out in this show, where usually the follow-through would be a lot more sensible and would show some kind of, like, character growth but this is a filler episode as we said so it just like kind of happens um they the the plan as it were ends up being that they just do all the stuff that they said they were gonna do like they just do all of the the crazy stuff that they wanted to do in as best of an approximation as they can so like yeah apparently uh perfuma can just make a plant golem apparently she can like that's just real and it also growls like that was all real yeah like it actually does growl like it doesn't like stand up and do like a giant like beat like beat you up thing but i mean it does it does like take over the walls and throw plants everywhere so frost is in her set of ice armor which is one far less ostentatious than uh, Frostbite, which was Bane, but also way colder than she thought it was going to be. Yeah, which is understandable. I mean, she has encased about 40% of her, like, surface area in ice. And then Mermista is cosplaying as Sea-Ra. She's got, like, her hair down and she's got the, the, the starfish on her chest. But from when Mermista pops up, weird stuff starts to happen in the animation. Yeah. So... Step one, Marissa sends like a huge tidal wave forward, and there's like really weird after effectsy water splashes in front of the screen as it like splashes down. Yeah, like literally, literally for real, I think video co-pilot effects like i like if i went back and like went frame by frame i bet you i could find the video co-pilot effect they used for that in uh in post when they were compositing this because like like i mean that that was like probably like water charge three <laughs> i i bet you know what that's that's my guess water charge three then Bo flips in and he does the, the the water has knocked all these cannons he does a cool flip and shoots an arrow into a couple of them and the arrows explode but the cannons don't explode they're just still there I don't even think they have any scorch marks on them. Yeah, like, I don't know what happened there. Like, so the the tidal wave comes down and it, like, short circuits them and they get, like, a electricity effect around them or whatever. And then Bo shoots, like, explosive arrows. And there's, like, this... And the explosion's weird, too, because it's, like... It happens, like, three times, but it layers on top of itself. Like, they, they like, duplicated the frames wrong or something. Like, it just, it just looks really weird. Like, there's a frame, like, the last frame of the explosion, like, sticks a little. Like, it stays too long. And, um, and then, yeah, it just, the guns are still just there. Like, nothing has happened to them. And, yeah, I don't know what happened with, with that. I don't know if, like, they just, like, missed that when they were putting it together or something. But, yeah, that was just a really weird little, like, weird moment. And then the third thing in this, like, 15-second 
weirdness cluster is when it like does the thing where you know that we see all the shots of everyone kind of on the same screen with the split screen stuff remista is back with her normal outfit like her normal hair oh right i didn't even i i forgot i didn't pick up on that actually so like her she's not in the sea rod but she just looks regular again just like a really weird sequence of kind of janky animation errors which i think is unusual for this show the only thing we really uh roast them about on a regular basis is some of their run cycles yeah this is like a fairly unique set of just weird issues i mean hey listen this is an episode that pays homage to the 80s shira so if you're gonna have eight animation issues this is the episode to put them in oh man 80s animation errors are beautiful because every episode has 900 of them and that's just part of what that's just part of the charm. Oh, yeah. The classic uh, Transformers ones where they, like, <sighs> come through the wall and then the wall explodes and then it's unexplodes. <laughs> uh, you don't even know about the depths of the Transformers G1 animation errors. There's... Oh, man. We have to watch an episode called B.O.T. at some point because that episode is incredible in how absolute garbage it is it's it's outstanding oh yeah we we got it at some point isn't there actually like a bit in the canon of transformers where it's like the animation errors are canon because unicron died Uh, i don't think the animation errors in particular that one's more for like weird continuity stuff that no one wants to explain so they just kind of wave vaguely at the unicron singularity and move on god i support it honestly uh what a good what a good series It's, it's great um but yeah so they they end with this this fight with scorpia which by the way adora kind of loses pretty handily yeah she just beefs it instantly like she loses her sword in one second and then she's just like oh i don't know what to do now And it's like girl you're like the buffest character in this show like i guess scorpia is maybe the only person buffer than you but you can still fisticuffs with this girl if you need to like you've you've got the ability to do some work here you just need to do the work yeah like it's it's kind of odd that you know all improvisation is fine but also she still almost gets got yeah and then like glimmer also gets got like scorpio starts dangling her off the cliff and (laughs) and it's very funny glimmer just like doesn't care she just immediately is like punching scorpio in the face and scorpio's like hey what the hell like I'm holding you off a cliff. Why are you punching me? Yeah, and you know, one thing I'm noticing, there's a lot more Glimmer and Scorpia fights than I remember. Yeah, actually, it seems like like Scorpia's kind of Glimmer's foil in this part of the show, actually. Or not, I guess not foil, but like primary opponent in these fights. I guess it's kind of the like brawn versus magic thing because but even then that isn't really true because glimmer isn't necessarily your classic caster she's very physical yeah she's kind of a paladin situation but yeah they eventually get uh all the princesses together to do a combo attack on scorpia they they do the glowing thing again when they're like working in harmony and scorpia gets dumped off this cliff which they've been dropping people off of the entire episode now yeah rogelio gets just thrown off the side of this cliff and it's like he just is like screaming on his way down and i'm just like oh my god like, i hope he's okay <laughs> it's a it, there's a river there so it's fine this reminds me of something though this this uh safety river reminds me um so in uncharted 2 
There is a level where you're like breaking into to a museum to try and get something. And it's like an enforced stealth section where you're trying to get around these museum guards non-lethally. And so like you're you're just knocking them out and you had get like a trank gun at one point. But there's one segment where the only way to get around this guy is to do the like ledge takedown where Nathan Drake just like reaches up and grabs someone and like yanks them off of the edge. And this is over like a big cliff, right? So what they did to make sure you knew that that dude wasn't dead was they actually modeled that guy like cresting above the water and swimming away after you yank him off. <laughs> That's so funny. They just like, they, they really wanted you to know, no, they're okay. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You know, Nathan Drake won't kill anyone yet. He will kill scores of Russian mercenaries later. But not right now. These these Turkish museum guards are not in his uh, in his wrathful path at the moment. But yeah, that that uh, kind of wraps up the episode. Like we said, kind of a weird end point for this episode. Nothing. No no lesson is really learned uh, by any of the characters. Yeah, no lesson is learned. They the the bad guys get on a get on a skimmer and just just ride off into the sunset they take the horde banners down everyone has like a big cheer and roll credits it's yeah it's kind of a weird one despite that it's still a very fun episode for all of the goofy jokes and the fun like uh little set pieces that they have next episode is also kind of a jokes one it's going to be the the snow episode uh, Drunkadora 2.0. Yeah, but that that episode has a little bit more going on with it. There's a little more plot happening. You know, we get more stuff with like the corrupted disc and and whatnot. I'm excited for that one. I'm I love I really love the Drunkadora episodes. Those are great, especially that one. That's the one where they really knew what comedy they could mine out of that. And putting her uh, in the in certain situations that episode is very funny. Oh yeah, that's like that's probably like top three funniest episodes in this whole show i think like this this one's actually up there um i think the the dnd one but uh but yeah the snow the snow one beats it out by just a little bit yeah and the snow one is kind of the last filler ish episode we're gonna get this season i'm including two and three as one as usual because the the early parts of season two are extremely like nothing really happens but we're kind of over that hump uh and everything from here is uh kind of bangers i think yeah which uh hey i'm excited to to get to some of the other stuff because uh because yeah it gets it gets pretty good uh moving forward i think yeah so we didn't get any emails or questions today which makes sense this episode doesn't really have a lot you can dig down into really unless you wanted to ask about origins of certain references or whatever but i don't know if we know any of that yeah, that's that's not really our era, uh, area of expertise. You know, we never watched like eighty Shira or nothing like that. So, um, looking at our time here, I think what we're gonna do is we're not gonna have any spoiler zone for this uh, episode because, again, there's no threads to follow from this. Really, like, it's it's kind of standalone in terms of its uh, character stuff. Yeah, like honestly, the only thing like on my mind to like talk about in a spoiler setting was just to go into more of like Adora's like mental situation. But 
I feel like we've done that like a pretty solid amount. Like we've we've covered the bases that are being explored in this episode. There's not a lot of threads to follow there. And we'll get plenty of that out of the uh, the season three finale. Don't you worry. Oh yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's that's on its way. Um, but yeah, I think you know. Thanks for listening. A little bit of a shorter one, probably our shortest one yet at this point. Yeah, which is we said that last week too. <laughs> But that trend is uh, probably going to be going away as we get into the the meteor stuff of season two. Um, So if you're looking for us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Podcast of Power, uh, on Tumblr, podcastofpower.tumblr.com. If you have a longer form question that cannot fit into our curious cat, which you can find pinned to our Twitter, you can send us an email uh, at podofpower at gmail.com. We do big email roundups after every season. Um, so after we do the season three finale, we'll probably be going to be doing some of that. So feel free to send any of those in uh, if you want to talk about some stuff. We also have a Patreon. You can find us over at patreon.com slash pot of power. Um, we've got a, a bunch of bonus stuff going up over there. And we've almost hit our first stretch goal, which is a uh, sort of monthly kind of sheer off fan work aggregate of all the stuff that uh catches our eye amvs fan fiction fan art all that good stuff yes i'm actually very excited to do some amv stuff because there are some quality amvs that people have put out and i would just like to thank all of our uh our force captain tier patrons um if you sign up that level you'll probably get shout outs at the end of episodes so thank you to tco krista d Brennan Fitzgerald, David, Emma Grossman, Robert Harris, D. The Shadow, and Danielle Dupont. Thank you for being Force Captain tier patrons. Yeah, thank you guys so much. It is super, super awesome getting all this support. And uh, hopefully we'll get uh, even more because, uh, yeah, we've got the the fan work aggregate we want to do coming up at uh 60 we got that that riff track and then of course my the thing that i'm holding out for um is the is the actual play podcast all right playing the shira inspired uh firebrand hack for the honor which i recently had the chance to play with the fine folks over at Strangers Fiction Audio uh, Audio Entropy. I don't know when that's going to be coming out. It should be coming out in the next couple of weeks, but uh, I'll be sure to link that on the Twitter when it comes out. Uh, also, we have our you know our Kipo cast and our Owl cast, where we watch Kipo and the Owl House respectively, and we do mini sods on Shira adjacent stuff and Apocrypha. Our next one will probably be going up shortly or somewhere soon um on that uh she-ra and the legend of the flame princess book yeah so uh look forward to that one i'm i'm pretty excited to crack into that but with that i think our our episode here is done i have been one of your hosts nero and i've been the other host jane and i'll see you on the other side of podcast spondos